You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hello, and welcome back to Bible Plus. Today, we're going to be getting to John chapter 21, the conclusion of John, or maybe a conclusion of John. So in chapter 20, John concludes his work, it seems, with verse 31, but these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Sums up exactly why John wrote this book, to counteract the heresy that Jesus is not equal to God, he was not really God, he's not the Son of God, and to affirm that when we believe in this one, that we receive life in his name. So why does he continue to write in with chapter 21? Well, I would say that when we receive this new life, there there is an implicit question with us, and I think many of us have asked it. What does it mean to be a Christian? I was alive for X years before I became a Christian, and I was somewhat familiar with how to live at that time. What do I do now? What's different? What does this new life look like when it lives? Well, John chapter 21 is, I would say, a very practical chapter answering that question exactly. And the Lord gives three points to Peter in the second half of the chapter. And there's one point that uh, is told somewhat through a narrative standpoint uh, that's a little bit harder to see in the first half of the chapter. So we'll start with that in uh, the first section here. So uh, the disciples, uh, a few of them, uh, all go fishing. And these are... uh, are fishermen by trade, and the Lord has uh, been resurrected from the dead. He's appeared to them. They had had some broiled fish with him in in Luke. We saw, and but then he disappeared, and he he appears again, and he disappears, and so we realize that this is a, a time of training for the disciples because they had been used to the Lord's bodily presence. They had been walking through Israel for several years with him, seeing him do signs, and he'd been leading them on these these gospel trips, walks, whatever you want to say. Um, and and but then in John twenty we had a shift because the Lord breathes into them, and now the Spirit is within them. Now to us this may be obvious. We need to learn to know the Lord in our spirit. But to these disciples, it was so strange to go from knowing a person standing next to you, you know, drinking water and and, and eating the same food as you at the table to now he's just lives in me and he's inside of me. So the Lord is appearing to them and disappearing to train them in this way to live by his, his inward presence instead of his outward presence. Okay. All that to say, the disciples don't really know what to do because Jesus isn't there to lead them to do something. So they go fishing and these are professional fishermen and they labor all night. It says, and, uh, in verse three that night they caught nothing. And then Jesus appears to them on the seashore and he says, little children, you do not have any fish to eat. Do you What a great question? And they answered him. No. And then he says, but cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
And they cast it, and they were no longer able to haul it in because of the abundance of fish. And then John recognizes that's Jesus, and Peter jumps in the sea. Um, and <clears throat> so this is actually a, a callback, if you will, to a, a, a very similar story in Luke chapter 5. Uh, so in Luke 5, at the beginning of the chapter, um, Jesus is teaching beside the, 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 the lake of, uh, of Sea of Galilee, and um, he gets in Peter's boat so he can address the crowd from, that, are, that are on the shore. And, uh, you know, then at the end of his, his, his speaking, he turns to Peter and says, let out into the deep. Let's go deeper into the, the sea and we'll, we'll catch some fish. And Simon answered in verse 5, Master, through the whole night we toiled and caught nothing. But based on your word, I will let down the nets. And they did this, and they enclosed a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear apart. So, so Luke makes that note specifically, and John makes a specific note that although they caught 153 fish, I don't have any understanding of this, if there's significance to that number. Maybe it's just that that's a lot of fish. But in verse 11, John notes specifically, though there were so many, the net was not torn. So we've got two very parallel structures here. The professional fishermen unable to catch a single fish for a whole night of fishing. The best time to fish, no fish. Jesus intervenes and says, let down your nets again at the wrong time to fish in the morning. And, and as they do, they enclose so many fish, so many fish. But in Luke, the nets began to tear. But John tells us specifically in verse 11, 21, 11, that they did not. So a, a net strengthening work has happened here. And so I, I, and I want to make this, this parallel to our Christian life that in Luke five, the Lord says, you will be to Peter, you will be catching men alive. And then he commissions those disciples, Peter, James and John are there. Uh, I believe Andrew is there in, and, so a, a number of his disciples are are called at that time. And Peter, of course, we know in two chapters and probably in time from this, maybe 15 days from from this this event in on the seashore in John 21, he's going to preach the gospel and thousands are going to get saved. What what will contain? What is going to to contain and hold those thousands of men that that Peter and the others are going to catch alive. It's the net that the Lord has been knitting, knotting together, forming out of these disciples. These men are have been formed into a net in which they can catch men alive. And the application for us is so important that in our uh, care for others, our shepherding of others, our preaching the gospel to others, we need to be part of a net. You know, we see in, in Acts 2, Peter was the one speaking, and it very specifically, Luke records, that he was with the 11. Peter, standing with the 11, addressed the crowd. Peter was speaking, but he his net was with him. He he was part of that net of 12. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and we all need to find those that we can be in a net with. If we want to be those that are catching men alive, can't do it alone. We need to be, uh, we need to be knotted together. Our Christian lives need to be 
knit it up with others, and in that way we can catch men. Okay, and then in the the three points that the Lord makes to Peter um, in the second half of this chapter, they have breakfast. The Lord says, "Come and have breakfast." What a what a savior! Don't you love him? Come and have breakfast. These guys, the Lord had been training them. He had told them to stay in Jerusalem until power comes on high. They went to the sea to fish. And what is his response to them? Come and have breakfast. So they have breakfast. And then Jesus takes Peter aside and says three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And then he says, he commissions him, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. So the here are two, two critical points. Do we... What is the Christian life? It loves Jesus. The, the life in us loves Jesus. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts through his spirit. Romans 5, 5. This life loves Jesus. Point two, this life shepherds others. It feeds others. It, when we love Jesus, whom Peter will call the chief shepherd in his epistle, when we love the chief shepherd, we shepherd his people. So in a sense, the Lord's word is a command, a commission, feed my lambs. On the other hand, it's what happens when we love the Lord. We just, we want to be with and we want to care for his people because that's what he does. He loves and cares for his people and our love for him brings that same love for others into us. Okay, the third point is a little bit harder to see, I'd say, but it's very significant. So the Lord in, in verse 18 prophesies over Peter and says, you're going to be martyred in this way. And he's, and he says, and this would be what kind of death you're going to glorify God. Verse 19. And so then Peter sees John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the author of this gospel and says, okay, I'm going to get martyred. That's fine. How is John going to die then? You know, we can sense maybe in this in this gospel, there's a little bit of rivalry between these two, which the Lord totally deals with. And these two are the pillars in Jerusalem. We'll see and the church in Jerusalem in Acts, just a couple chapters from now. But but right now, a little little contention. And so Peter doesn't want Peter doesn't want John to get off the hook, wants to know how he's gonna die. Here's what the Lord says, and it's so critical for us to get this. Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. So Peter's calling and Peter's end was, was personal. As we said, it's not individual. Peter's in the net. We all should be in our net, but, but it's personal. So Peter had one calling. John had another. John. John likely was writing this when he was in his 80s. He lived much longer than Peter and had to, he was the last apostle alive, we, we believe, of the original 12. And so he had a different calling. He had a calling to, and, and he wrote these books that conclude the Bible, conclude the Gospels, uh, to, uh, to bring everyone back to this idea that, that Jesus is the Son of God and, and to, to, to explain the, the, to show us the revelation of God. Okay. That's John's calling. It's not Peter's. So Peter shouldn't be envious of John's calling. John gets to live longer. Peter doesn't. That's, that's not Peter's problem. Peter needs to follow Jesus personally. 
And we all need to have such a personal calling from the Lord. Again, in the context of our net, but personal. And we should always be open to the Lord. Lord, I want what you have for me. I will, I, I will not envy and compare myself to someone else's calling. I want what you have for me. I believe you are going to call me. You might call me to go to India to raise up churches, or you might call me to pass out Bibles in uh, a dangerous country or smuggle uh, smuggle your word into to, to North Korea or something. Uh, or you might not call me to something daring and, and adventurous. You might call me to go work in a job and to live Christ in a sea of cubicles with unbelievers where you can't even really preach the gospel, to live Christ in that environment. But Lord, if you've called me to do it, amen, whatever it is. And if you've called someone else to do something grand and adventurous, I pray for them and I stand with them. But I want what you have for me. Okay, so I'd say these these points, one, be a part of your net. Find those that are around you that, that you can be knotted together with. Two, love Jesus. Three, out of that love, shepherd his sheep. Shepherd those unbelievers that he is, he's chosen. Save them. Shepherd his fellow, your fellow believers that are around you. Care for them. Foster Christ in them. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, follow the lamb wherever he may go. This is this life that we received by believing. When we believe this is what is going to be worked out in us. So I was, I'm just so blessed to be in John 21. I'm so thankful I got to speak on this chapter and uh, I hope it's a blessing to all of you. Amen.